Welcome to Shelter in Place, a podcast about finding daily sanity in a world that feels increasingly insane. Coming to you from Oakland, California, I'm Laura Joyce Davis. Well, folks, it's official. Yesterday, California's state superintendent delivered the news that our kids won't be going back to school this year. And yes, I know that today is April 1st. How I wish I could tell you, April Fools, about this and so many other things in our world right now. Welcome to the new normal. In yesterday's episode, that's episode 13 if you missed it, I shared a painfully honest account of my family's life before and after COVID-19. Recounting our life then and now is embarrassing for entirely different reasons. Before, we were trying to do way too much. Now, we're trying to figure out how to do anything. It's not like we needed COVID-19 to show us that we were running on fumes, that we had no extra resources for anything. It was a problem we'd been trying to solve for a long time. In March 2019, a little over a year ago, my husband Nate got laid off from his job and was looking for work. We took the opportunity to reevaluate and have some big conversations about the direction our life was headed. There's a big mirror on one wall of our living room, left behind by the previous owner. And so over the next couple of months, we used that mirror as a kind of map for our lives. We put up post-it notes for everything in our life that we spent time on. Everything from exercise, to visiting extended family, to grocery shopping and cooking, to keeping the house clean. We also put up post-it notes for the things we weren't doing, but wished we were. Things we said were important, but hadn't figured out how to incorporate into our lives consistently. A lot of what we saw we already knew. Our lives were over full. We needed to make a change. But how was a much harder question. We'd already cut from our lives the stuff we didn't want to do. Most of what was left was the stuff that we had to do. And there was still too much. Our post-it note conversation also showed us what we longed for rest, and adventure. Our family is at its best when we embrace those things, but we were far from seeing them as a reality and had no idea how to change our situation. Many months later, we'd taken the post-it notes down, but we were still talking about the exercise, still trying to figure it out. This was early February, just two months ago, although now it feels like another lifetime. It was another lifetime. The conversation had changed largely because our life had been eclipsed by a new situation. Our son was having a tough year, both academically and socially, and this was showing up at home in daily blow-ups, behavioral challenges, and so much anger and sadness. We were putting hours of every day into trying to figure out how to support him while not neglecting our other two kids. We'd thought we were exhausted by our lives before, but now that fatigue was emotional and bone-deep. I was reading four different parenting books, having conversations with his teacher, who we love, and asking advice from everybody I knew. We were making progress, but it was coming at a great cost to our entire family. And then the coronavirus became a daily part of our conversation. Even our three-year-old is talking about COVID-19. All of our assumptions about what life should be have been shattered. The routine we felt trapped in before has been blown to bits, and our calendars have been cleared. And yet we still have to do the work of living, of caring for ourselves and others, 
of figuring out how to pay our bills and put food on the table and learn how to function in this new normal where nothing is certain. Earlier this week, as the death toll and the number of those infected with COVID-19 continued to climb, I was part of a Zoom call with Dr. James Furrow. He's a recognized leader in the development and practice of Emotionally Focused Therapy, or EFT, with couples and families. And he's also an author, a former professor at Fuller Theological Seminary, and a clinical fellow and supervisor of the American Association of Marriage and Family Therapy. I asked Jim if I could share some of our conversation, which I'm drawing from a lot this week. He began our conversation with this. Where you put your attention is where your emotions will follow. Changing your focus can change your experience. I needed to hear this. I've tried not to be constantly looking at my phone or computer screen, but it's hard to resist the pull of bad news. Even admitting that feels a little gross. At some point every day, I found myself watching those red numbers climb, telling myself I'm just keeping up with the news. There's nothing wrong with being informed, of course, but if I'm waking up to bad news, it's going to shape how I experience each day. Jim said that what we're going through right now feels so hard because unpredictability creates psychological instability. We don't know what we can count on anymore. He said that one of the most helpful things we can do for ourselves right now is to create structure, but avoid being too rigid about it. He says, when it comes to structure, choose less, but choose something. We are going to try to create enough structure so that we have things we can count on every day. We're going to recognize outside of that, school may or may not get done. Work may or may not get done. And then we're going to let it go. The critical thing is a family's ability to communicate and talk so we know what we can count on and how to let each other know it might need to change. Right now, we need more fluidity and more connection. We're going to start the day the same every day. We're going to have a check-in in the middle of the day. This creates predictability. We crave that. We need that, particularly when the air we breathe is uncertainty. Jim's quote reminds me of a drawing I saw in the book, The Whole Brain Child, one of the many parenting books I've been reading this past year. The drawing shows a woman in a rowboat sailing along between two banks of a river. One bank is chaos, the other is rigidity. Though our lives are wildly different now, our family has been crashing between chaos and rigidity for a long time, way before COVID-19. All of us want to sail along smoothly without crashing, but figuring out how is hard. Let me just stop here and say that a lot of my friends have been asking me how in the world I'm managing to do a daily podcast during this time. And believe me, I know, it's crazy. I would never have even considered doing something like this before COVID-19. But Jim's words about our need for routine helped me understand why doing this project not only feels possible, but necessary for me right now. It gives me something I can count on every day. It gives me the needed perspective to stop me from crashing into chaos or rigidity. Whatever else happens the rest of my day, showing up and processing in real time what I'm experiencing helps me put an anchor down as the ever-flowing river of life swirls around me. A lot of us have been looking to disasters of the past to better understand this pandemic. Jim talked about that too, and what he said was so hopeful. He said that despite how dire things seem, human beings are incredibly resilient. 
He said, resilience is like ordinary magic in our lives and that history and experience has shown us that there are six ways that we can press into it. I'm going to share them with you now. One, treat your body well and your mind too. Our minds and bodies are one and the same and they need conscious care. Exercise, meditate, pray, eat food that nourishes you. Two, stay connected to others who care about you. People who believe in you, parents, mentors, friends, people who know and value you. If you're alone right now or if you're feeling alone in the relationships within the walls of your home, reach out to others who can support you and care for you from a distance. If you have kids, Jim says, let your connection lead your correction. Attune, attend before you advise or adjust. As a parent, your worries can get ahead of where your child is. The impulse is to ask a question, how are you doing? This can communicate worry or anxious fear or an expectation rather than an invitation, especially if our kids don't want to talk. Instead, offer your presence. Do side-by-side activities. Cook together. Do a puzzle together. Let the conversation evolve. When we force them to talk, kids feel our pressure, not our presence. Jim added that this is also true for couples, not just kids. Three, maintain an emotional balance through sharing with others and reflecting on your own experience. Practice acceptance. Jim said that emotional growth often happens in two steps forward, one step back. In moments when we're getting a new perspective, having to see our world differently, it's normal for us to have questions and even lose our confidence. As we reconstruct our lives in this new normal, Jim suggests expressive journaling as a way to process these emotions and uncertainties. When we write about our experience, we are actually processing that experience. It doesn't have to be lengthy. Ask yourself, what is something that I want to remember about me today? What is it like to be me today? You can write your prayers or you can use that writing as a form of expression. View this moment in time as part of a larger narrative. Four, plan and engage small goals and small successes. Find your agency and positive sense of self through action. I'm finding this to be crucial, not only for motivating myself during this time, but my kids. I'm also inviting them to set goals for themselves to give them more agency. Five, focus on making a difference to others around you. Acts of compassion and generosity Promote the value of both ourselves and others. Six, make meaning of the new normal. Practice gratitude and openness in the face of uncertainty. Engage curiosity. Jim said that practicing gratitude actually turns your psychological tension and impacts your mood. It gets even stronger if you do something to impact that gratitude. Write a letter or a note to someone. Pick up the phone. Change your medium. Make a commitment to another person to reach out to them in some way. Jim also said, it's okay to sit with your grief, to be angry that you don't have what you need right now. He says, faith in the context of fear requires our courage. Our character is like a muscle. Sometimes it gets fatigued and you have to stop. But that doesn't mean you don't get stronger as you practice and live out what you value most. Sometimes the value of what we believe is found in the need that we have that is unmet. This time has pushed me to go back to the things my family was longing for before COVID-19. 
Slowly, those longings are shaping what life looks like for our family in this season. Since our life feels small here in our home, our adventures are small too. We're teaching the kids to cook and clean, giving them more responsibilities. I've been joking with them that they'll be like farm kids before this is all over. Even now, I can see how that change could result in more restful living for all of us. We're slowly constructing a narrative of what this time means for us, a way to fit it into the larger story that gives evidence to the things that are important to us and to the people we want to become. If you've enjoyed today's episode of Shelter in Place, I would love it if you could rate it and review it wherever you listen, share it with a friend, and subscribe. Shelter in Place is sponsored by Brick and Mortar and Delta Wines. Even in these tough times, this family business has stepped up to be the first sponsor of Shelter in Place. When you order wine from brickandmortarwines.com or winesforchange.com, you can get 10% off your order by using the promo code SHELTER. If you order six or more bottles from Brick and Mortar, you'll also get free shipping and overnight shipping in California. The Shelter in Place music was composed by Chase Horseman at Reactor Productions, and the Shelter in Place artwork was created by Sarah Edgel. As always, you can find links to the things I mentioned in each episode in my show notes at laurajoycedavis.com. Until tomorrow, this is Shelter in Place. I'm Laura Joyce Davis.